like I'm a learner, right? Like I'm a seeker. I love learning about new approaches. I love sharing new approaches that just work better for us, you know, and once explained um, and you apply it and all of a sudden your life gets better. Welcome to the Bold Moves How Did You Know podcast, a podcast for the naturally curious who want to define their own path. Here, I'm sharing bold move stories that propelled my guests from curiosity to action. And in doing so, they've defined a path that is purposeful to them. Through these stories, I hope you'll be inspired to pursue your boldest dreams. Today, I'm welcoming a very special guest to the show. Allison Hare is her name. She is a former sales executive turned lifestyle entrepreneur. She's the host of the award-winning top 1.5% globally ranked podcast called Late Learner. She's a personal coach for professional mothers as well as a keynote speaker. She founded the Effective Collective Membership designed to connect high-performing mothers that want to powerfully live work and play in full alignment. Hello, Allison. It's so, I'm so glad to have you here. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. I am doing great and very honored to be on your show. Well, I can't wait to get into our discussion today. I have known you for a couple of months now, but you have you know, from what I've seen, you've had some varied experiences. You have a great story to tell, and you are making bold move after bold move. So <laughs> um, before we get into the meat of the conversation, can you share with our listeners your bold move journey? And I would love for you, as you're kind of thinking back through your journey from where you started to where you are today, to define what felt like a bold move as you were going through it and some of those things that you did along the way to accomplish these bold moves. Well, thank you for the smart and thoughtful question. And I think when I think about bold moves, I I feel like I'm wired for bold moves. I, I have an addiction to newness and novelty. However, um, I think I was indoctrinated into more of a traditional society. And by that, I mean, if I rewind, my mother was a stay-at-home mom of six kids, and my father was, he traveled internationally, um, and so essentially my mom was raising us, right? Like my father was gone a lot, and she used to beat it into my head and my sisters, never rely on a man to make money, always make your own. And I don't know if any of your listeners have heard that. I think there is some of the generational piece of it of, you know, baby boomer parents that kind of ration things and, you know, like go get the good job, go work in corporate America, get the benefits, get the 401k, get the gold watch, stay there and, and live your, your comfortable life. Just do all the right things, go to college, go get the job, do all of that. And at the same time, my mother did not make those choices. And I feel like she, it was almost like a cautionary tale of just go, you know, don't rely on a man to make money, always make your own, do not make the mistakes that I made. That is my reading and my interpretation of it. So when I um, got into college, uh, I discovered my college had a radio station. I was a psych major. I immediately switched 
and fell in love. Like I, I felt like being on the mic or just being able to speak felt like a black and white version of my life all of a sudden turned technicolor. So I wanted to be a DJ. And when I went out into the world and tried it, like DJs don't make any money, you know, radio DJs. And at every turn, so you think about bold moves and you think about safe moves. And so for me, I've always had these creative um, aspirations and these dreams of speaking or dreams of being having a radio show or having some form of communication, some way to make an impact ever since I don't know how long. But I always picked the safe route and went into corporate sales and I'd been in sales for 25 years. And um, I always picked the money. I always picked the money. And I had these little things on the side that um, I, I felt like that was enough until I got completely burned out of the corporate world. And when I got burned out, and this was last year, um, I, I felt it physically. I felt it emotionally and spiritually where I felt like all of this fun stuff, like I've had my podcast for almost five years and I could do it on the side. It's fun, but my day job is is working. And it felt like I would get like the Sunday scaries where my whole body would start to tense up. And Monday mornings, I felt like I had to almost armor up. Like I've got to put on the face. I'm just going to kind of go on pilot and just, you know, crush these meetings and at one point it just, it felt like the mask was sliding off, you know, like, I don't know how much longer I can keep faking this because it felt like my whole body felt like it was seizing. And there were, there were two things that I did that changed everything. And one of those things was, you know, at, at the age of 45, I stumbled on a dance class. I have no dance background at all. And this dance class, it was called Rebel Groove, and it's a national format, and it is almost like Zumba on crack. <laughs> and it it is done in the dark, and there were like 60 people in this class, so I was like tucked away in the corner in the back, and I I felt like I was struck by lightning, and not because I automatically picked up the moves. It was this intense rush and this feeling of freedom. Like I could open my arms wide. Nobody cared what I looked like. Nobody was looking at me and it felt like freedom. And I remember asking myself, am I, am I allowed to feel this good? Which is such an effed up question to ask, right? Like why aren't I, I just was so used to feeling so wound up, you know, all the time and just feeling bad, but also being hyper productive, hyper performer. You know, I had the accolades and won the trips and had the income and all of this stuff. So that was like one of the seeds. The other seed was the podcast is that when I started the podcast many, many years ago, I didn't know what I was going to talk about. I didn't know what I was going to call it. I just, I got a promotional email and I was like, I didn't even look at the price. I just said, yes, let me just figure it out. And I fell in love and it felt like expansive. Like when I, when I am having in meaningful conversation, it felt expansive. When I'm dancing, it felt expansive. It felt like it was refueling like I was supposed to be there 
Whereas the work environment and no fault of work, you know, like it just was where the work environment felt very constrictive. I felt like I couldn't be me and I, I would never be great at it. You know, like I could perform and it was almost like, am I going to perform my life or am I going to live it? So the big, bold move was, uh, Kristen, you'll get a kick out of this. So, um, I had wanted to leave. So I tried all kinds of different businesses and different ideas and any idea. I'm like, how can I turn that into a business? I was just looking for any rocket ship to get out, you know, and have it feel better. Right. Like, and so the little, the little breadcrumbs were the dance of like saying yes more. And so I ended up becoming a dance fitness instructor. And I was like, I want to give this feeling to people, you know, like if, if, it made me feel so good. I want to be able to give this to other people. I wanted to be able to spread it, you know, and the podcast, I wanted to make an impact and it felt right. It felt like I was in my element. So how do I say yes to that more, which is probably an important thing to remember for your listeners who are considering bold moves of how do you say yes more to what you want? How do you kind of take those dreams and take those values and things that you really, really care about and say yes to it more and look for opportunities, even in the micro choices of being able to, to be expansive. And so I went to a tarot reading, of course, and she said, you know what, Allison, uh, the card show, it's time to go. And I was like, that's it. That's it. The, it's in the cards. And you know, through a lot of tears and a lot of, um, you know, really hard conversations with my husband where I was like, just give me six months to figure it out. And I left with no plan. Um, I did wait until my stocks vested, you know, I didn't just up and walk out, but I, I kind of had a plan and part of the guidance, you know, essentially from that tarot reader, I'm like, should I get a job before then? She said, no way, because you are in, you are so wound and wrapped around the axle that you like, you are not in a position to make any clear decisions until you get space and time away. So I did that. It was scary AF. And, and so I ended up leaving. And then I went out into the woods to find myself and I would do all kinds of crazy stuff. Like I did psychedelic assisted therapy and, uh, climbed the tallest peaks in different States and, you know, did solo overnight hikes and worked with shaman and did traditional, you know, like therapy and, and those kind of things. And, you know, working with a business, a brand strategy firm of like, how do I make this work? But what I really needed and the boldest move was taking space, you know, and my, I made, when I left my job, I made one decision and that was to make no decisions until I could hear my own voice again. And it took months and months and months and way longer than I had hoped. So that's my big, wow. bold story in a nutshell. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think so many people are going to be able to relate in one way or another to your different experiences. I know I can. But how did you really come to the understanding that this job wasn't serving you? Was there like a moment? Did you do like journaling or therapy or or a lot of conversations with your husband? I guess at the end of the day, the question is, how can people start to understand that contrast for themselves better to make a decision. 
I think for me, it was the yes feeling in my body. That was the contrast that the more I said yes to what I wanted to do. And what I thought was interesting is that when I stumbled on that dance class, I, uh, at the time I have two kids, they're eight and 10, one's about to be 11 this weekend. Um, and yes. And at the time, um, I would get up at four 30 in the morning and I would work out at five with a trainer. So I worked out from five to five 30 and then I would go back and then, uh, you know, I, I had um, the rest of my day was owed. It was owed to my husband, my kids, you know, getting them ready for school, then going to work and then coming home, you know, maybe I do some podcast stuff at night, you know, but then I'm at night. So every single moment was planned. And I also felt like, you know, I'd been going to this trainer and doing weightlifting and all of this stuff. And my, there was a week where my trainer, it was right around this time, actually, um, where it was around the holidays and my trainer was going away on vacation. And I was like, you know, I'm looking in class pass and I'm like, what do, you know, what should I do? Maybe I should do this hit workout or maybe I should do yoga. And I'm like, wait a minute, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? And I thought that was like, it was such a groundbreaking question because it was different than what should I do? You know, I, I tend to love to work out. I love being active, but I, I don't love weightlifting. I don't love yoga. Um, just personally, I, I enjoy it, you know, like I'll, and I'll do it. But it's not like my workout of choice. And I thought like dance. And so I kind of interrupted the pattern. And I think that's what it is. It's like the pattern interruption of, you know, if you took a look at all of the things that you do, what gives you a yes feeling in your body and what gives you a no feeling in your body? And I do things with my clients where we do practical exercises where, um, where your audience can do this too, where you can almost color code your calendar as you look to it. And if you color code, let's say you put everything you're excited about, in a bright yellow or bright color and everything that is draining, put it in a darker color and where, you know, what does your calendar look like and how to, and no judgment, right? Then there's like obligatory stuff that you have to do. Like you have to go pick up your kids or you have to, you know, uh, do errands or whatever it is, return the Amazon boxes. I don't know. But when you look at that calendar, you can practically see like, how do I add more bright? And what is bright? So even asking the question of what feels good, what feels like a yes feeling in my body, what feels like a no feeling in my body? So you start to develop almost like a deep self-trust. You know, you can call it intuition, um, but that deep self-trust of like saying yes more and like even just pausing for a minute and say, do I want to do this? You know, like right now we're recording this, it's in December and there are a lot of, there's a lot more on the calendar, right? There are holiday parties. There's some that you feel like you have to go to. Maybe it's your husband's office party. You know, maybe it's one where, you know, there are a lot of people you just don't feel like you connect with, but, you know, your friend will be there and, and you're trying to help them out. And you kind of have to take a step back and say, do I really want to do this? Or, you know, and and what are the thoughts of if you said no, which is saying yes to you, it almost reinforces and establishes more of a deeper self-trust and more of an intuitive nudge. When you said 
where do you owe time versus where do you own your time? That was so powerful for me, Allison, because it really does get into this deeper question about what are you doing for others versus what are you doing for yourself? And such great practical advice about just like color coding your calendar to make that more apparent for yourself. Um, So thank you for sharing that. I just had a, uh, a, a appointment with my therapist before our call today, Allison. And one of the questions or one of the, the general themes that we spoke about was having more agency of my own life, right? Yes. And it comes, this is what it comes back to for me. I think we're conditioned, uh, oh, you know, I'm not, I don't wanna generalize too far, right? But some of us are conditioned to meet other people's expectations, especially in our early days when um, we don't know our own agency at all, right? We don't own that necessarily, um, or we're learning about that, right? We're learning about ourselves in those early years. But now it's like, nobody else can control us. Nobody has power over us. How do we own our agency to do the things that we love to do? So that really is hitting home with me because I just had that conversation. Um, before we hopped on today. I'm gonna transition to uh, something else I'm very excited to talk to you about today, Allison, which is your uh, the topic of late learning. Also yes. the name of your podcast. Um, and you start your podcast with this very interesting question, which is what are we late learning today? So I'd love to jump in there um and ask you you know about your podcast tell us about the premise of the podcast why did you start it and what do you hope listeners take away from the podcast well thank you for that um late learner is uh uh, (laughs) the podcast has had four different names (laughs) and it is iterated it is evolved but it's always been the same content just a different packaging and when I started it, and, and I'll, I'll tell you why, because the last name it had, it was called Culture Changers, because that has how I have always, always thought of like, how do I make a bigger impact? But practically speaking, nobody is Googling, how do I become a culture changer? And it started to become very clear that who I was inviting on the podcast to speak, what I get really lit up by are people that have fresh and new ideas that aren't everywhere else. And so, but once explained, that's not like a conspiracy theory thing, but like better approaches. And I think you kind of touched on it, Kristen, that you talked about, I'm not sure if I'm generalizing. No, that's how the culture is, right? It's not generalizing. We have been conditioned you know, to think a certain way, right? To solve problems a certain way. The conventional wisdom in many, many cases is hurting us. And so I'll give you an example. And this is just, this is from my lens, right? Like this was a big aha moment for me. And, you know, like I'm a learner, right? Like I'm a seeker. I love learning about new approaches. I love sharing new approaches that just work better, for us, you know, and once explained um, and you apply it and all of a sudden your life gets better. But I started to realize that when I, you know, I consume a lot of personal development podcasts in addition to cult podcast. I love cult. 
flirting about cults, you know, and everybody loves true crime, right? Like everybody loves the salacious part about it, uh, which I, I totally get, you know, but I was, there was a moment where I was listening to a lot of self-help and kind of personal development podcasts. And I started to realize when I looked, like I opened up my podcast app and everything, all of the titles were how to fix um, this is broken, or you might have this particular disorder, how to fix it, how to manage this, how to, you know, uh, have a better whatever. And I was like, wait a minute, I am not broken. And that was such a bit, like, I don't need to fix anything. Like people that come work with me, they're not broken. They have out own where they are. And I think that the narrative that something is wrong and needs to be fixed and kind of spoon fed with whatever the solution is, you know, um, I, I think, I think it requires looking at, and I don't, uh, again, it's like clickbaity, right? Like, um, all of a sudden I'm like, huh, well, maybe I am, you know, maybe I do have the anxious attachment style, Oh, that's what's wrong with me. So I do think that there is a lot of value in labeling it. But when you're so consumed with it, it can actually be harmful because I feel like it can make you feel like you're broken. And so I think the late learner, I've always been a late bloomer. You know, I've, I got married late. I had kids late. You know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life until really late uh, everything has always been late, 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 late. And so even being in my late forties and leaving my job and starting over with absolutely no plan with two kids and a husband and a two income family. I mean, I'm a late learner. And I think that there are, I think one thing, Kristen, if I could address this, you talked about like twenties and thirties, right? And then forties are something different. I think you're onto something because in your 20s and 30s, at least my experience has been, you know, it is almost following the rules, checking the boxes, right? Like just get, you know, like I want, I want the title, I'm going to work hard. But I also think there is a lot of conditioning to fit in, like we are wired to fit in and to belong. And it's really, really important, you know, that we have a tribe or we belong somewhere. I'm part of this company. I have this identity. And I started to notice that in my 20s and 30s, it was almost like observing other people and saying, you know, like, uh, I'll, I'll talk about dating. You know, I would have my girlfriends and they would be like acting a fool around some guys, right? Like they're calling them all the time or they're, you know, giving it up too fast or whatever. And I'd be like, I don't want to be like that, you know, or I would, I would say like, girl, chill. He is not going to want you if you show up exactly as you are, right? Like he's not going to want you if you're put the pressure on it. And isn't it interesting that it was like, how do I become the perfect person so that a man will approve of me, will validate me? Same thing, you know, you have to act a certain way. You can't wear certain things. And while I think there is some decorum and obviously, you know, it's, it's important, you know, it's important to kind of have some decorum in those things, I think what happens in your 20s and 30s is one is like you get to mold and shape who you are by kind of looking out and saying, I don't like that. I, I That behavior and that activity is not going to get me what I want. So I'm going to kind of craft 
myself. I've even wrote a blog post of like creating the perfect woman, you know, like creating the perfect person. And then you get in your forties and you're like, this doesn't really fit. And this is kind of bullshit, isn't it? You know? And it's not that you all of a sudden everything sucks, but you get enough mileage behind you and enough pavement, you know, like potholes in the pavement that you created. And you're like, how do I do this in a better way? How do I make this better? That feels more authentic to me. How do I do this in a way that feels more empowering and more intuitive and, you know, more truthful to me? And I think that is the power that happens when you start to kind of realize which part of this is a mask that I've created to kind of protect myself and which one is really me. And so in my uh, observation, I feel like a lot of people in their 40s, 50s, sometimes late 30s kind of get to this point, sometimes earlier where they're like, I want to do this in a better way that feels like me, where I don't have to feel like I'm showing up as somebody else or the way somebody else expects me to. Totally. I also think that you get more exposure in your 20s and 30s to different things, you know, um, that help you start to evaluate and see new opportunities, things that you didn't even know existed when you were growing up. And you're like, oh, I can have that. I didn't even know that was a possibility, right? It's kind of like, you know, hosting this podcast, maybe for me, for sure, maybe for you too. I did have dreams also of being a broadcast journalist. And similar to your story, Allison, I was like, well, I do want to do that. I love the fact that I get would get to uh, share inspiring stories with other people to help them learn more about themselves, to help them expand their worldview. That's always a big passion of mine. But the thought of moving to Great Falls, Montana, no offense to anybody who might live there, uh, <laughs> to start a, a career in TV, working holidays with, you know, very minimal pay, that also wasn't attractive for me. So fast forward so many dozen, you know, 20 years later now, there's the opportunity through the democratization of um, publishing of, you know, uh, you know, these platforms, we get that we can become, in essence, our own uh, journalist. So or or I won't go that far. But you know, we get to be broadcasters anyways. Um, so, so I do think also it's exposure to new opportunities that also helps to shape your perspective and, and guide you into the, those directions maybe that are more a fit for you. Um, okay, on the topic of late learning, <laughs> um, what, you know, through some of your conversations, maybe through some of your own experiences, what have you late learned uh, through your podcast or through your experiences? I think everything. I think what's cool about the Late Learner podcast, and I'm sure you understand this too, Kristen, and we connected so hard on this because we share this common interest around curiosity is that you can kind of scratch that itch for anything. And so if you are struggling with something that you're like, I, I hear about this, let me get an expert on, you know, and, and let's unpack it. And so I think having different, like, I love the thought of discourse, meaning, you know, like I've, I have a lot of people that have, um, on my podcast that have countercultural approaches. Again, it is, I, I need to be clear. It's not a conspiracy theory. They're just not well-known. They might be newer therapies. They might be newer modalities of therapy, or they might be 
uh, a newer idea. It might be an author that has a different framework that is commonly known. Those are the people I'm excited to have on and kind of unpack some of the things. And as I look back over the, you know, four and a half or almost five years that I've been doing this, I would say that where I got, where people are struggling the most um, are adult friendships that they never admit, um, which I thought was astounding and learning from experts on that has been really game changing because I think people see the friends TV show, right? Like that, that is what friendship should be about. It should be fun. It should be light. You know, uh, you, you don't really fight, but I don't know. I think the friendships are, they can be messy and they require work just like your partnership or your spouse or your, uh, whoever might be. Um, and I think putting the lens on that of like, these require work and having maybe emotionally uncomfortable conversations, um, to address and to acknowledge how you might feel or what you might be noticing and like bringing it out into the open. I think that that especially has brought a lot of boldness that where I would have otherwise, um, shrunk or, and, and have minimized myself and kind of talk myself off a ledge of just, I'm being overly sensitive. They haven't really done anything, you know, like I'm just reading something and you realize nine times out of 10, you, there is some truth behind it. And if there isn't, and you're with, you know, somebody that really is important in your life, then you kind of work through it. Um, so getting clarity on that has been interesting. Um, I love that late learner allows me the expansiveness to cover a lot of different topics. Like we have done topics on belonging and identity, like a series. We've done series on sex. Like I had a, um, a Hollywood sex and love addict on and um, somebody talking about BDSM on the boardroom. And if you don't know what that is, Google it. I'm not going to go into it. That was the craziest episode I've ever done, or even like sex after sexual trauma and the reality of that. So I think there are just a lot of nuances that people may not consider or may not say it out loud, mm -hmm. but I don't know. Like I think about religion. What do they say, Kristen? What, do, what should you never talk about in, in polite company? Yes. Religion, politics, and there's one more. Money and sex. Oh, thank you. Those are my favorite things to talk, to talk about because <laughs> I think why I think why we're so divided and why we're so confused, why there is a lot of challenges with, you know, porn addiction or whatever, whatever the addiction might be is because I don't think we've ever felt safe to talk about it, you know, and to do it in a respectful way where it's safe. You know, having said that, I, 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 I don't have generally like ridiculously polarizing people on my podcast. It's not like a gotcha podcast, but I do like understanding from both sides and having a different perspective that maybe takes the sting out of our immediate judgments over mm -hmm. either ourselves or other people. Yeah. The word comes to mind, normalize, you know, it's a little bit of, of taking something that had been previously taboo and just talking about it like it's something 
that doesn't have any stigma attached to it. Yeah. But I think it also is, you know, I've had transgender couples on, you know, and, and people fighting through sobriety. And what I thought was interesting, the sobriety one was really fascinating because I had one episode with the husband who was, you know, like in, in the throes of a massive addiction, like super white collar, you know, corporate dude. And just in, you know, like the jaws of addiction. And then I did an episode with his wife of what it was like for her supporting and how many people came out of the woodwork and said, thank you so much for having this episode. I think that I'm struggling with this, or I think that my partner might have an addiction, or I think I might be struggling with this because I recognize it, you know, like my, my hope and my goal with anything that I do is how, how do we be a force for good? How do we create an environment that is empowering, but empowering in the sense of like, if something doesn't feel good, how do you stand up and make it right? And that might be, you know, you'd ask me about why I started the podcast. It was born of frustration of the political climate. Um, it's not a political podcast. It certainly is not. <clears throat> but it was a, a time when I I was having challenges with fertility and then, you know, with the childbirth and maternal health care, um, you know, was just not what it was supposed to be in healthcare in general and the education system. Like at the time I was volunteering at an inner city school and, and seeing, you know, like the systemic racism and oppression that I had absolutely no understanding or exposure to. And all of this was happening where I was like, I know that if you know, like voting once every two years is, is not enough. And I know that if I could bring light to some of these things that, um, I'm going through in real time and people understood maybe a different perspective, what would happen if we could join as a community and make a change together through knowledge, through the lens of culture and what kept coming back and through the evolution of this is it's always on evolving and late learning yourself, you know, like how do you, how do you heal some of the programming and some of the, you know, the, the cultural biases and the shoulds to the, what do I want? Um, how do you become um, a, a, a deeply self-trusting person that, um, that can, can be strong enough where you can impact your children, your sp spouse, the people that you work with, your community, politically, all of those things. And it only happens when you are working continuously on yourself and continuously learning. Are you loving this episode? I hope it's giving you some inspiration and tangible ideas to apply to your bold move. I wanted to remind you to sign up for the Bold Moves Podcast Club. If you haven't yet signed up, I'm inviting you to join our community. It's so fun to see the bold moves that people are working on, anything from finding my career path to advancing my career or finding my first job in a new specific field, even getting more focused and 
I'm still deciding. Or more concrete, like I'm trying to write a book this year or I'm getting alignment in my business. So whatever camp you fall into, whether you don't know what your bold move is or you have a really specific bold move in mind, I want you to come and join the Bold Moves Podcast Club. In the Podcast Club, this is a place where all of the insights from the podcast meets action. I share lessons from what we can learn from my podcast guests about being bold and from my own Bold Moves journey to empower and support you in your Bold Moves. When you sign up, right away you'll begin receiving the Bold Moves recipe. It's a three-part framework for how to make a bold move, and it's going to help you make leaps forward in your Bold Moves journey. You'll learn all about the three parts. Your desire plus who plus action equals how to make a bold move. Then you'll get prompts to apply the recipe to your bold moves. I'm excited to see you take your bold move to the next level this year. Push pause and open up the show notes for this episode. Click the link for the Bold Moves Podcast Club to sign up right now. And now back to the episode. As you said earlier, two weeks away, right, from January 1st, um, 2024, and the year end is always a, a, a moment for reflection for many of us, for me, for sure. And I think that contributes to this idea of learning, right? Personal, professional growth and development. What did we learn over the year, right? So I would love to ask you, what have you late learned that you will apply in 2024? Is there anything that stood out from this year that you are going to be bringing into 2024 because of the impact it's had on you? Yes. And what's coming through so clearly is like, it doesn't have to be so hard. I feel like my value and what I was indoctrinated was how productive can you be? How useful can you be? How much money can you make? And that equals value. And it also equals hard work. So when my mother would say, never rely on a man to make money, always make your own. And I was like, got it. Let me just, you know, I, I was always a workaholic. I'm still a workaholic, you know, it, it doesn't just magically go away, but it is something I'm unwinding. And so the concept of let it be easy, you know, and let it be easy is like being able to receive help, being able to ask for help. I think people like me are people that are the fixers, you know, like they're the people that they're, they're, they are the people that appeared and maybe they do to always have their shit together. So I don't think people like us even recognize when we might need help and it's okay to like lay the armor down and uh, be in a safe space. Um, and I actually went, um, I went to a dinner with all of these female entrepreneurs and they were the heads of incredible companies. Some were the heads of companies that all of us know that we use every day. And as we went around and kind of introduced who we are and what we do, every single one of them was like, I feel so burned out and I'm so lonely because there's nobody else for me to talk to. I am where the buck stops. And I thought, wow, I want to serve that space. You know, how do you belong? How do you 
lay down the armor and know that you are safe and can be soft and can get the help and support that you need, but still continuing to get all this stuff done and being superwoman and wonder woman and super mom and all of that stuff. And, and that is kind of where I am of how do how do we reprogram making it easier and trusting our intuition more than what I should do or because I can do it. I can do it all. Right. But at some point you realize that it's depleting and it's, uh, you know, diminishing returns of doing it all because you can, and because you enjoy it, you enjoy being helpful. You enjoy having that space and the accolades. So what does life look like when it is easier with less resistance? And that is, that is where I'm going to go into 2024 of let it be easy. I love that as a guiding mantra, so to speak, because we always talk about, well, not always, but you know, it's a lot of what else can you do to elevate? You know, there's all this conversation around new year's resolutions and it's it's coming from this place of like like you said earlier like there's something to fix but maybe it's not about fixing maybe it's just about adapting a new mindset um and being okay with taking it easy and relaxing and giving yourself a break you know my question for you one of the the last questions for you is going to be how do you elevate while avoiding burnout? Because I do think that's the tension that a lot of people have is we want to be the best versions of ourselves. And yet we have so many responsibilities, you know, we're juggling um, the mom life, you know, uh, with getting the kids off to the practices, the homework, the dinner on the table, all of that, while trying to also have this high powered career. Um, you know, and 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 all the other number of things that come along with you know with with obligations that we have but and that leads to this huge amount of burnout and we also want to make all these bold moves that align with our authentic yeah. self right um so how do we do all of this in a way that we can feel good um at the end of each day I think it depends on your propensity for bold moves. And I do think that one of the key things is to find somebody to help support you because it is a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. So whether that's a mentor or somebody that has been there before, um, somebody that has expertise in the space, I think not doing it alone is, is helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, like I take people through a framework and the framework is actually very simple. The first part is like, what is your fuel and energy? It's the recharge, right? Um, and understanding what lights you up. And this is kind of like you and I talked about this before we started recording is like, you know, kind of centering on your values, right? Like what what is valuable to you? Mm -hmm. And like just taking a five minute pause and writing down what are 10 things that light me up? And they could be something as simple as, you know, like noticing how bright the moon is, you know, and just taking a moment or even putting your hand on your heart and just taking a breath that physically that's going to, you know, regulate your nervous system. Or instead of like pounding coffee, you savor a tea, you know, um, and just writing down what are those 10 things. So like understanding those little hits, those little dopamine doses, right, of 
what lights you up, whatever your specific brand of excitement. Like I love pulling weeds. <laughs> Some people <laughs> love to cook, you know, like I find a lot of, yes. you know, joy and irrational joy with pulling weeds, well, you know, uh, that might not be for everybody. I don't love to cook, but some people love it. Allison, I have a whole backyard for you. <laughs> I'd be, uh, I'd be thrilled. So, you know, you understand what is your brand of energy. So what is your fuel and energy? The second thing is once you have a little more energy, right? Like the more dopamine you have, the more energy you have to make a change and make a bold move. The next part is to release. Like those are, you know, creating margin, right? Like establishing a little more margin in your calendar. And that, it, you know, may require like doing that like color-coded calendar of just do it one week, you know, and just see what, what is draining, what is exciting, what is life-giving and just see how much you can add and what can you take away? You know, are there, are, and, and again, that's where the mentorship can help because when you're in the state, everything is important, right? Like everything is something you need to do. So sometimes having somebody in your corner saying, let's take a look at this a different way. And like being able to release, you know, so setting proper boundaries, creating margin. And the last thing is redesign. And redesign is so fun because these are all creative experiments. So the creative experiments of like, you can even take that initial list of what lights you up of like taking those breadcrumbs and say, what can we do that is going to kind of check that box and let's see what experiments we can do and find one that works or that gives you energy that's exciting. And then the cycle continues, right? Like the, the redesign is so exciting to me of just what could life look like? And it's interesting when people get fired from jobs and they call me and I'm like, yes, what are we going to design? You know, I get, a, I get a little too excited over it where they're like, girl, I don't, I don't have an income, you know, like, great. What, what are we going to redesign? Um, now you get to design it your own way. And what does that look like? So it is important in those moments of like that immediate thing of like, yes, of course you want to take a moment, but that moment is where you can change everything for the better. And what does a redesign look like? That would be my advice. I'm giving that some space so the audience can think about them for think about that for themselves, because like you said, it's a great question um, to ponder as we go into the new year. Great opportunity to learn from this past year and then think about some of the things that you want to elevate or change for yourself going into 2024. All right, I've got one question that I ask all my guests, and that is, what do you know about being bold today you wish you had known earlier on? I think for me, boldness is exciting. And I think when I was younger, the boldness was very ego-driven, meaning this is going to you're being watched. You need to do this. And, you know, I said, I'm going to do it. So I'm just going to do it. And I think there was a value in that, but I think the boldness now is more around legacy of my children watching mom build a life by design and not be stuck in a life that I felt like a tiger in a cage 
and making big, bold moves. And I'll give you an example. I remember when I, um, so I had left my job, right? And so I have multiple streams of income. I help out a personal brand strategy firm with sales a couple of days a week. And they're amazing. I'm actually a client of theirs. And, you know, when I, I started working with them, my kids said, great mom, does that mean we can get a dog now that you're working? And I'm like, so already they have equated work with, you know, my job or my income with denial of what they want. And that weighed on me. So I took my husband and my two kids and I sat them down and I said, I want you to understand that mommy having a job or having this job or whatever it is, what mommy is doing is something that's really hard and really bold and really brave. And in the end, you will have everything that you want, but it requires us all to kind of get on board with it. And I don't want you to ever think that the answer is just this one way because we're making a new road. And it was really hard, you know, to hear how it was, you know, kind of going for there, but the legacy is everything. The legacy has always been everything of, you know, when my, when I was pregnant with my kids, I remember I was, I found out I was pregnant on my honeymoon with my son and, um, I, um, spent all night I was up and I was just praying, like, please let my child know that they are capable. Just let them know that they are capable. And I felt like I didn't understand what I was capable of, but I also have this propensity to just jump and figure it out. You know, like I'm a quick start and, just, you know, I, I don't just give me enough to be dangerous and I, I'll make a run at it. You know, I, I'm, I'm not the person that needs to have all the answers first. And, you know, you kind of have to know yourself for that, but having my kids feel like they can solve problems, you know, I am not the one to solve their problems and having them feel capable enough that anything is possible. Um, when you have the right mindset, that was, that was where I, I guess that would be my answer. Amazing. What a great place to end today, Allison. Thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure getting to know you over these past few months. Uh, like I said earlier, you're welcome to pull weeds <laughs> in my garden anytime. <laughs> and if people want to know more about you, Allison, work with you, where can they go? Yeah, thank you so much for that. Uh, you can go to allisonhair.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N hair.com. Late Learner Podcasts or on Instagram, I'm allison underscore underscore hair. There are two underscores. But thank you so much. This was amazing. You're so welcome. Thank you again for being here. For everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And we will see you in the next one. Bye for now.